0: Welcome to the Seven Figure Box Podcast. My name is Andrew Frezza. And today I'm joined by Nathan Holliday of the Level Method Gym and the Level Method. Welcome to the show. Thank
1: you, sir. Good to be here.
0: Um, so I wanted to start off. I want to start off because I was reading your bio on the website and you have some insane numbers, like individual athlete numbers. And I figured that would just be a cool way to kick it off, even though we're not going to talk about the athlete side at all after this. but. Uh, are these all true? You have like a 500, or at one point had over a 500 pound deadlift, 280 pound snatch, uh, sub three minute Fran. Were you really yeah. at one point?
1: I was, yeah, just obsessed. You know, it was <laughs> it was my life. All of my emotional energy poured into getting fitter. It was a totally obsession.
0: When was the peak? <laughs>
1: uh, it was probably so. I so I I was really ramping up, and in 2011 I ruptured my Achilles. And then that sort of derailed me off of these glory ideas. But then 2013, 2014, I really started um, ramping things. But I think that would probably be by 2014.
0: Which of those numbers that if we uh, asked you on a random Saturday morning right now, you could get closest to?
1: Ooh, um, I would probably say the Fran. The friend yeah. would be the closest, like I've been like, you know, the, any of the pulling right now my back, I'm like, ah, I'm good.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, the reason I brought that up, I thought that was cool that you you had that in your bio, not to brag, but to really show that you practice what you preach. And, um, you know, I was recommended to you from Marcus Gursey, who's another guy that practices what he preaches. And um, I think it's cool that you're someone who has the level method, but you're still a gym owner. You're still a coach. Um, you're still doing a lot of the things that you're teaching other people how to do, which is really cool. It's always something that I've strived for as well with, with this podcast and what we're doing with CrossFit Palm Beach. So can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Just give us a quick little uh, idea of your background, who you are, and, and uh, how you got to the Level Method.
1: Sure. Um, so out of high school, I joined the Army. I went through five years uh, and then got out and just I got obsessed with with lifting weights while I was in the, the military, like just totally basically trying to be big and, and strong and stuff. And then I got I found CrossFit at the tail end of my deployment. Um, then that sort of just totally I saw these guys that were fast and strong and I just became totally obsessed. I left the military and started coaching uh, in a, a, a with Team CrossFit Academy. They were in, you know, cro- um, they were in. California, like Sierra Madre area. And then that was probably two years. I started, um, I, op- I was going to open a gym with a buddy, that stopped. And then I ended up opening the NLI, which was uh, with, a, with another friend who owned a gym. He was, um, the next level invitation was like one of the foundational Southern California competitions. It started in 2010. And so for like four or five years, did that before um, then opening my gym started doing, that was 2012, opened my gym with a partner, went through the entire sort of business uh, evolution of realizing that from athlete to coach to owner is like a totally, you know, it's it's a lot different than you think it's going to be. So there was a lot of learning that went into that. Struggled for quite a while. Um, and I always, I've always been really interested in programming, like program design, energy systems. That's like one of the things I've always loved. And I was always looking for ways to like, you know, get people to get better faster and all sorts of stuff, but also be more engaged because, you know, people in general I found weren't as obsessive as I was, and I think most coaches are. You know, if you're going to be coaching, it's because you found something really interesting, and I was trying to get people to to find that faster. Um, so I was at the end of my lease in a big spot where I was, and I didn't know if I wanted to continue doing it or whatever. And I had a discussion about with a buddy, my partner, um, about building a level system. I tried it in the past, didn't work out. You know, it kind of fell apart. You know how that is. Like you think you're building something that kind of disintegrates. Mm -hmm. But everything sort of came together and um, built out the first thing. And then we opened a smaller spot, a smaller gym where it was my testing ground. I've been there for four years now and just really refining all of the details around the level method and engaging people. And that's sort of like, you know, this, this journey from just straight athlete through coaching and then into ownership and then multi-year struggle with, with owning a gym and figuring it all out, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. You've been in since the early days uh, of this thing. So how long has the level method, and if you want to give us kind of a, a brief overview of what that is. I mean, I know the easiest way I've heard it is kind of like a martial arts belt color system applied to CrossFit. Um, But if you can give us like an overview of that, and then how long have you had the closest iteration of that in in your gym setting? How long have you been implementing that?
1: So uh, we've done since 2016, I've been running the level method at my gym Um, And we've gone through several different, like at first it was very slowly trickling in and then, um, you know, testing, 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 refining everything and then doing testing cycles. After about, I'd say, eight months or so of doing it, um, I was plugged into the community. So I had friends that were gym owners and that's really how it grew initially organically was just like, you know, going and showing them and basically implementing it there. And that that ten original organic growth, and then uh, it became a thing, and we started seeing that there was a lot of potential with it. So we started, you know, marketing and building a company around it. And I forget what was the what was the other question you had. Well, I was just
0: going to ask, how do you explain it to people? Like, what's the simplest way to to talk about it? Is is that how you explain it, the martial arts system?
1: Yeah, like it, it it's really like the same way as the in body is used to to quantify that's really how we look at the level method. So it's like, it's an in-body for fitness. So I can sit down with someone, I can see exactly where they are, I can map out a plan of action for them. Um, it's really about clarity. So seeing that, that information, safety, making sure that people aren't doing things before they're ready for, and we do that all through this ranking structure. So the the ranking structure is at, at its core, and this this is the thing that allows us to do all these other things. You know, um, Safety is a really big one.
0: Yeah, and there's... How many different um, color categories and how many different uh, categories of things? Because I know there's like strength tests in there. There's, uh, you know, like lactic tests and different energy system tests in there as well. How many different tests are there? And then how many different categories or colors can people progress through?
1: So there's 32 steps from white goes to yellow, orange, uh, uh, blue, purple, brown, black, red. So and there's 32 steps moving that way, and then there's 15 categories going down, which are they're they're associated with, you know, push and pulls, relative or objective uh, strength tests, um, different energy systems, and so essentially by getting all of these categories, I get a very a, a nice snapshot of where somebody is, uh, well rounded, like on a well rounded basis.
0: Yeah, I, I love that aspect of it. I love that. I love how you've built it out. I mean. It's one thing to, to agree with the idea of a level method. And it's another thing to see one that's really well built out and yours is really well built out. I've only seen like parts of the chart. I've never really even seen the full thing, but I, the things that I've seen are phenomenal. And I love that, you know, when it comes to something like a muscle up and you have athletes that, that want to get muscle ups. And I think one of our biggest frustrations as coaches and as owners is like getting people to understand the steps that go into that. right? Right. And, you know, we have athletes, Some of that have even gotten muscle ups that don't even have a couple really good strict pull ups, you know, or strict dips that can find a way to get a bar muscle up. And it's hard to get them to understand all the building blocks that go into be able to doing five, 10, 15 in a row and being able to do it successfully in, in a workout. And you can communicate that till, you know, your face is blue, but your chart just makes that so simple. And it's something that everyone in the gym is on the same page for, which I love.
1: Yeah, it's like, it's really interesting because rings is a category. And one of the big aha moments in building, and I don't wanna get too technical, but like things morph and change as you go down the line, right? So rings starts with like strength, like supporting, and then we go into some endurance, and then it goes back to, to, to strength. And then it goes, it builds into endurance until we're ready to do a muscle up, and then it builds from one muscle up to three and all the way up. But if I'm like a beginner person and I can jump to stabilize on the rings and I'm like, I want to do a muscle up, I can like point. I can be, well, there's 10 steps, right? We just need to go down these 10 steps. And as you can do these, you will be moving closer to a muscle up, right? So it does it does that exact thing
0: very clear for people. And and also like a side benefit of that is it gets your coaches on the same page of what is the best path to get someone there, whereas one person's not working on transitions when they should be working on strict stuff. It's almost like a way of training your coaches to do it in the appropriate progression because both people, both sides of the equation are on the same page now, not just the athlete.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Like the coaching side is a big part. You know, we do, we do programming which comes with these coaching notes and it's specifically designed for, to like almost educate, to make sure that people aren't doing things. But the the map itself is the same way. It's like I can see exactly, you know, you shouldn't be trying to do a muscle before you can do the XYZ, which is just really helpful for a beginner coach. You know, this is scaling that the whole coaching thing is very difficult, right? Like, you know, it's like three, four, five, six years of coaching and like you are a pro and you know it. But then you're getting paid 20 or 25 bucks an hour. But you want to bring in these new, these new people, but now they're responsible for an entire class and they might not have the expertise to be able to like scale and point and be able to watch everybody and be like, oh yeah, do this. But with the map, it really does. It's just, this like resource. I use it. I mean, I, I use it every single day. I'm like looking up, like, where's somebody, if somebody, if there's someone posts something online, I like look and see what, where the level is. I'm like, Mm okay, cool. It's just, you know, just such a useful tool.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And I, and the other thing that you've done really well is you've you found a way to match up categories to each other, meaning like if your front squat is this, your upper body pulling, which is completely unrelated, should also be in this general vicinity, right? And I think that's really cool because, I mean, one of the things that we hear all the time is like athletes constantly want to get stronger. They want to see their lifting numbers go up. And it's usually an athlete who's already pretty strong, right. but they just want to be like the strongest one in the gym or they they were mad because that one time someone put up 10 pounds more than them. And it's like, you know, it's it's such an easier conversation to show them where they could be more well rounded. And this idea of GPP, because it's just, it's just so clearly well laid out.
1: Yeah. And that's like what you're talking about there is calibration, you know, and it's calibration relative to each other of like the movements have to be relative, but it's also calibration in like the world of fitness. And that's so kind of what we were talking about before with, the new map, the version two, is much better calibrated to a gym, a regular gym population, but then we still keep that calibration between, you know, categories. So it's what is a, a, a blue run and what is a blue upper body pull and what is a blue deadlift? You know, that's what really took a long time to build. That was like in the early stages. With the, lo- the most time consuming stuff was all in those lower levels and calibrating and figuring out what matched with
0: what, you know? Yeah, that's, it's really well done. Um, what are some of the benefits that you're seeing when a gym implements this? Like, um, I see obviously retention could be a really big one um, with it. And then, I, I mean, I feel like personal training, personal programming, that has to come with it. Like, are there specific examples that you can think of, or what are some of the tangible things that someone can expect who's adding this on to their programs?
1: Yes. I mean, again, it, like, once somebody has their levels and I, and I have a snapshot and they're fairly, you know, they're up to date. We do goal setting sessions all the time. And I think it's pretty universal. A lot of gyms do goal settings, but it's like with, with the, with a two resources, the in body and then the, uh, the levels readout. I have so much information to map for somebody to create like a custom game plan, either. Like I can give them a free version. It'd be like, these are your weakest things. I want you to do three sets of 10 push push-ups every uh, like third day or whatever. Or we can like map out like, okay, here's a custom accessory program or we can do PT or we have a workshop coming up. Or, you know, there's all these different options because I have this information, which previously I didn't have. Anybody who's ever done goal setting sessions, first of all, it's sometimes difficult to get people to do goal setting sessions. And once you do, sometimes they don't even know what they want to do. They're like, I want to look better, but it's like, well, we can actually help clarify those things and relate that the form and function thing to here's your fitness. Now, if we want to get you up, if we want to drop your body fat, we want to do these things, we got to get a nutrition program and then we got to get you on your weakness program, right? Like some accessory or whatever. And so it does it just opens up in in the sense that for the vast majority of regular people that are in the gym that are coming in. They don't really know. They're sort of lost a little bit. It takes a a long time for them to really get a a feel of the land. And the the level method just accelerates that process. Because once someone goes through, they get their levels, they don't really know what it is. They're like, you know, even give a beginner their levels. They've done all their their assessments and they're looking at it and they're like, okay, what does this mean? I don't know what this Mm -hmm. means. But then when they retest and they see, bam, 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 all these ones are up, then they're like, oh, now I can see my weaknesses. How do I get better? And I've had people, you know, come through and they're like yellow, yellow two. We had a, a a woman go from yellow two to blue one in like this 16 month, just like frickin utter, like every day working on stuff before classes, doing all of her. It, it was just insane. And that's a very rapid increase. But it's because it's hyper focused and in mm-hmm. no other environment would that ever be able to happen because. I don't know. I want to move up all these things, but what do I work on? And I suck at this too, and I suck at that. And it's like hard to kind of pinpoint, you know?
0: Yeah. What are, what are some of the, um, potential issues that gym, gym owners can run into? Cause like one of the things that just popped up is like, you know, that person that gets really gung ho, you know, I'm sure they hit times in their life where they're inconsistent in the gym. Maybe they get a little bit of an injury and they have to back off. How do you, with the level method, manage some of that backtrack um, and, and what cushion is built into the system to allow someone to maybe not hit their tests for a certain period of yeah. time or, you know, but you still want honesty as well. You don't want to be like, you know, yeah, you were a blue two years ago, so you're still a blue kind of a deal. Yeah. So that, that does
1: happen. Um, I can think of somebody just right off the top of my head um, who she she trained really hard for a period of time. And was got to blue one and then she was, you know, vacations and all sorts of stuff. And then she doesn't want to test because she's thinking she's going to get lower. And the, the, the answer is always this is where coaching comes in. Right. And it's like where I sit down with her and I work out like, OK, what what are you looking to do? What are we trying to do? And if we reassess and now you're dropped down a little bit, we just give you a new program, a new accessory program to come back up. But that I mean. It definitely happens. And uh, the answer is that it's um, a matter. It's like an individual thing where I sit down and sort of figure out what the person really wants. Mm -hmm. Right. Because, you know, things change. If I can figure out what the person is looking for in a coaching scenario or a goal setting scenario, then I can change and we can like maybe pull away from the levels for a little while. Let's work on some of these other things. If you get injured, let's do some rehab stuff, slowly bring it back up and not like, force it down people's throats, you know, because it is meant to just be a tool that uh, gives us, gives us more handles on what's happening, you know?
0: Cool. Um, so yeah, I wanted to, we were talking before the call about, I was asked questions question just selfishly for myself, cause we don't currently use the level method yet at CrossFit Palm Beach. It's something that we've considered in the past and uh, still really highly considering, um, and we'll probably implement it at some point in the future, but we haven't pulled the trigger yet. And the reason we haven't is because we have an established gym. We've been going for seven years. We have 500 members in two different programs. And I know this is something that if we put into our program, we're going all in on it. It's not just something we're going to slap on and hope for the best. We're going to fully commit to it. And it will, we realize it will probably be six months to a year before we're really running optimally and seeing the success of it and, At minimum, we see it as like a five-year commitment. You know, if it's really not working, we're still probably going to be all in for a few years on this thing. So what, like, my question is, what are some of the big mistakes you see with implementation? um, And how do people do this wrong? Because, you know, I know with things like that, you can't just bolt it on and go. You have to really commit to it.
1: Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a few, I I, I talk about like who the level method is not for pretty frequently, like when I have discussions and Number one, if somebody hasn't gone through business, basic business training first, you know, if they haven't gone through and they don't understand the necessity of systems, of team meetings, of having a good team in place, then the level method is not going to help. We got to take care of that other stuff first. And if somebody is very, like, distracted by many, many different things or they have a lot going on all the time, again, the level method isn't going to – it's not a band-aid that's going to fix anything. And this is really – the thing that I've seen with people is that they're, they're, they don't have that long-term view. It's almost like let me just slap this thing in here and it's gonna put it on the wall and then everyone's gonna be engaged. But really, the way I look at the level method is it's like it's an accelerator. If you're if you're doing something really well, it's gonna make that it's gonna help. But if it's like you're not doing anything well, you're gonna put it up there. It's not gonna work for you. It's gonna be like why what's why do I have this thing? Because there is some. Upfront work and we as the gold standard something. I always say is like the the initial pain of Bringing this in of getting the coaches on board of getting the members and doing all this stuff and getting the assessment There's a there's a fair amount of pain up front But on the like with anything like build a business how much pain up front is it build anything like that? It takes so much yeah. pain, and then on the back end you're like, oh, okay. This is why I did it so it's like getting to the second assessment so once someone comes on board, getting to the second assessment is the most important, the same way as getting a second in body or when I'm, I'm working with a nutrition coach, I get my first one and I'm like, this sucks. But then afterwards, I'm like, this is great. And this is exactly the same scenario with a level method. So it comes down to people rushing, you know, if they're if they're trying to rush or they're just trying to get it in and get it going they don't understand the, the real, the, the, the coaches aren't on board and they don't understand the real goal of what we're trying to do here, you know, of like really highlighting and supporting our members, producing these really powerful moments for people that don't get it, you know, making sure that they're safe and they're being plugged into fitness, all of these things. And then the clarity piece, right? Making sure that I can see if somebody isn't getting that, then it's going to be like, well, like, why do we have to be forced to these rules or like, what are we doing here? Right. And these are the these are some of the problems that we've seen. It always comes back to the same fundamental things of, of rushing or of not getting a clear why expressed to the team.
0: Yeah, and and you mentioned it, which is having the coaches on board. I remember being at Iron and Mortar a few weeks ago, the Iron and Mortar Summit, and Jason Klepa talking about one of the biggest mistakes he did when he was rebranding to NC Fit was not having the right coaches on board first, but then not communicating it, fully mm-hmm. communicating the why and making sure that who was there was fully on board. So can you elaborate on that? How important that aspect is of having your team on board for something oh, like this? Dude,
1: it's so huge. It's like the most important thing. Everything goes from the top down, right? In any leadership environment, it's from the head down and then you have multiple heads and the second tier of leadership. And then you have the population, the, the, the regular gym members. And if the, if the coaches don't get it, if they're not understanding why things are the way they are and what the real purpose is, that's gonna disseminate down into the members and they're gonna be pockets of people that are like, yeah, why are we doing this? Because they don't, it's like you and I and you know, coaches and owners who have been doing this for seven or eight or nine years, the, the difference in understanding, the conclusions that we've come to as like mandatory things that must be done are different than what a coach one or two or three years in thinks. And no matter what I try to say, it's not, I'm not, I can't teach you a language in 10 minutes, right? It's like, it's going to take some time. So the leadership aspect of making sure that like they trust you and that you're a strong leader and that you, they know that you know that you have the best intentions and that this is the thing that's going to actually do. It's all very, very important. And when we've seen, things that don't when that doesn't happen it's usually because th- the flip side the coaches are either controlling you know they're con- they're controlling the owner or there's a pocket of like veteran um, veteran uh, clients or members who are like they also control in some way and they you know they don't but they don't get it cuz they're not freaking coaches these aren't pro- professional fitness people they're just they have their their conclusions and they don't understand the why like a big one is why can't I do kipping pull-ups unless mm-hmm. I have this this level? And it's like, look, you can either like, like really try to fight with them or you can like sit down and try to like help them understand the necessity of, of like when you've been doing this for seven or eight years and you've seen X, Y, Z number of injuries from people going gung-ho and messing themselves up, we know, right. right?
0: Yeah, we've seen so much and it's hard to just convey that in a simple Super couple hard. sentences. Yeah. Um cool. So I want to switch gears cuz I know you've you've talked so much about the level method in other podcasts and really gone over it really well. Um I was just listening to the podcast you do with Stu Brower from WTF Gym Talk and I feel like you covered that really really well. So I wanted to talk a little bit about your growth into the level method and helping other gyms, you know, since that's something that I'm doing. I think that that's something that a lot of gym owners out there, CrossFit gym owners that want to have re- one really great single location. They don't want to have multiple locations, but they still want to grow and they still want to help people and their ability to help a lot of people for an hour of their time. A lot of that comes online, being able to go online and being able to scale something. So, um, you know, one of the, the examples that's been in my head recently is Chris Cooper's new book is called Founder, Farmer, Tinker, Thief. And he's got these different stages of entrepreneurship and sort of the transition from, just running the level method gym to now having other gyms run the level method and and selling it as a system is this transition from uh, the farmer phase to the tinker phase. So can you talk a little bit, you may not know about the phases specifically, can you talk a little bit about your journey from just being a gym owner who's now implementing the level method in your gym to how does this now go to um, you know, other gyms using it and what does that growth look like and what, what are, what does your time look like in there?
1: Yeah, it's, it's, a uh, the thing about it is like for the longest time I owned a gym and it felt like I was maxed and I didn't, uh, I didn't know how I could possibly do any more. And I was almost looking outside, like maybe I could find something else without realizing that the fundamentals are the same across the board. Right. So making sure that like you get your systems down, you get all those things within the gym and you prove the concepts and then take those same concepts and then bring them into whatever else you want to do, because it's like, you know, the grass is greener. And so we're, we're, I have this gym and, know, you know, anybody who's listening that owns a gym knows there's a constant thing with making sure that you're touching base with members, making sure that they're coming in. If they don't show up, you got to call them. If you don't call them, they're freaking going to be gone. Like, it's just a matter of time. All of these like fundamental concepts, you know, I'm looking at that when we build a level method, I'm looking at now the level method and I'm realizing that in the relationship with with gy- with gym owners now is very similar to the relationship that I, as a gym owner I have with gym members right. where it's like it's the same stuff there's retention there's getting and keeping members it's like I have to engage there's creation of content there's all these things so it's like choosing what you want to work on and but realizing that most likely depending on you know there are examples where it's not the same but most likely the fundamentals are going to be the same. So always remember those fundamentals, refine them better and better and better, and then work to leverage as much as you possibly can. So who can you get? How can you get a team in place that's going to help you? How can you get systems and processes in place that make it so even if someone isn't trained, they can do this task. So you're not doing this task. This is the, one of the most important things. If you're doing everything then you're not most likely if you're doing physically doing everything, you're not moving into the direction that you got to pull yourself out of it, see the direction and then sort of facilitate those things. And I'm not sure if that really answers the question, but it really just comes down to making sure that you are focused on the things that are going to actually drive the business forward. If it's the, the gym, it's the same sorts of things. If it's a different business, it's the same sorts of things. Right. So it doesn't really change.
0: Okay. So you started in 2016 of, was that, what was your first non, that wasn't your own gym that started using Level Method? What year was that? When was that?
1: That was 2016. Yeah.
0: Cool. And then how many do you have today?
1: We're at 173, I think, as of this morning.
0: Wow. And uh, basically those Level Method gyms, um, they pay like a monthly subscription fee, right? To utilize the Level Method services and your training and everything that you guys are constantly Implementing as upgrades and stuff like that, correct?
1: Yeah, so and but we have the the level method core you know the the monthly for the licensing and the usage of the app and all that stuff and then we have a, a Programming so we have a, a whole side thing which is actually where I spend so much of my time But this is an interesting point because when we started the level method, I had no intention of doing programming. <laughs> I don't like i mean anybody who's done gym programming knows that it's like no joke you you're working with a whole bunch of different people and they all want different things and it's no it's a it is a struggle to so i didn't want to do it but because we had so many requests for it and because it makes sense right the levels uh, what level do i do so now all of our programming has five different levels for every every day with all this stuff the thing about that is that was unplanned And now it's a separate source of revenue, but it's like these things are going to pop up and and show themselves. So anytime you choose, like, yeah, this site seems like another opportunity might pop up. And if you don't have the resources, you don't have the systems in place, that's like recipe for crash and burn, right? You're going to be like, oh, I could do that. And then you start doing it. And then you realize that you don't actually, you can't do it because you don't have enough resources. And then everything starts to drop. And now the gym starts to drop and then everything, and now you're like, you know, you got to cancel something.
0: Yeah. What, what was, um, so from that path from like one to over 150 where you're at now, what were, was it like CrossFit's affiliate growth where it was like, okay, for the first two years, we only had 10 gyms and now we have, you know, in year three, we now have 150 plus gyms signing on or what was that growth like?
1: The growth. So it really exploded, uh, late last year and then into, So like from late 2018 into like mid of 2019, we because we we started really focusing on more marketing uh, and then you know doing just getting more members or sorry I say members but getting more gym owners. Mm -hmm. Now the thing about that is like in any business cycle, you know you have uh, a, a life cycle of and there are challenges that you don't see coming. And so, like with us, the, we have a, a number of gyms that they sign up and they're, they're ready to go. But then there's some friction and they don't actually ever get it going. And mm-hmm. then it reaches a point where they're like, OK, now I'm not going to like I don't want to do this. So we didn't foresee that. Like we're thinking like, dude, this is the best thing ever. People are going to hop on board and freaking love it. So a lot of our our direction has changed now to this supportive environment. We've we've dropped in terms of growth, focusing on growth. And really sort of turned our attention to figuring out how we much support all aspects of everything within the the level method. So that's why, like, in terms of this this phase that we were in, we were like hammering the marketing without really without like filling the, the holes in the bucket, if you're using that yeah. analogy. And then now it's like, OK, let's figure out what we can improve and then we'll do another launch. But, yeah, it was it was very low for, you know. Uh, not, we weren't really growing it was all totally organic so we grew like 20 or 30 gyms over the course of six or seven months and then we had like a hundred come in at like you know over the course of uh three or four months and the one of the things that made that possible was automations right mm-hmm. so like before originally i would do in-person integrations. so this is an example really good lesson in terms of adapting and Originally, it was like this very thorough thing. I would go and I would do a two-day seminar on the level map method and the map and all of the progressions, and I'd work with all the coaches and we'd do all the tests, and it was mm-hmm. really, really intensive. But it was very slow, and we couldn't grow, right? So we we're on the on the way back. We were in uh, we were in Arizona. And we were, we had driven out there to do a, an integration, two days. It was awesome. Got to know everybody. It was super fun. We're on our way back, and we're talking about how can we scale like, what are we going to do? We needed an e-learning. This was, I was against it. I'm like, we shouldn't do an e-learning. My partner was like, We've, it's the only way to scale. And so we came to this conclusion, like, okay, so I, we do an e-learning. And then every time someone would sign up, there's like 50 fricking processes that we have to do. So then there's a bottleneck there. So then we build the systems around that. And then now that becomes streamlined. And then we were able, like building that. So we we're able to have the have the room for growth. And again, so we're not doing all of those details. It's been an incredible learning experience because, um, without those systems in place, there's no way that you can do the thing. You know, you can't get the thing done because there are, there are, um, no systems.
0: Yeah. And I think a lot of those systems get built out because you are so hands on to begin with. And I think that's that, that really fine line that, that people have to walk with the, a new business or an established business of like, yes, you might need to do stuff yourself at first. And sometimes you're better doing that just to get that speed of implementation and just get something going. But then you have to constantly reevaluate and say, okay, well, where can this be streamlined and made more efficient? Otherwise when that next opportunity comes like programming for affiliates, um, that you won't even have any bandwidth for.
1: Exactly. And like the, the perfect analogy is that like, I'm, I'm sure you've heard this, like. I have a well that's, you know, a mile away and I need to go get water and I have a family that I want to, you know, they're thirsty. And so I go and I make a trek and I get the well water and I bring it back and I'm doing this trek every day. And then there's another family over there who is building like a pipeline, but they're not getting any water. They're like super thirsty and they're not getting shit for a long time. But then once the pipe's built... They can sit back and they can just relax and then they can start selling water and they can do all these things because they have that that system in place. And it's that same sort of thing, like taking a step back to see, like, am I working on the highest priority things? There are necessities that must get done. And if you don't have a lot of money, you got to do it yourself for sure. Like, there's no way around it. But then can I can I cut out a period of my day to work on these higher? It's like what, you know, um, Chris Cooper talks about CEO time, right? Yeah. So this working on the business, I got to make sure that I'm doing stuff that's going to facilitate the future growth.
0: Yeah, I love that. So give us a breakdown of like, what is your like an average week look like for you in terms of the two businesses? If we call the gym one business and the level method for other gyms as another business, like where is your time spent on those two projects? What are your teams look like?
1: So Tuesdays are my meeting day. So Tuesday are basically meetings all day long. I have meetings with Level Method in the morning. And then I have my gym team meeting. We go over all the projects. We're doing all those things. And then I'm a big fan of of block time. So I map out all of my weeks. And I recently have been really much more focused on outcomes. I'm a productivity sort of nerdy dude where I really like that stuff. And I've there's a book called Getting Things Done that I've studied for mm-hmm. years and years, uh, but totally obsessed with it. And getting things done is a great idea. But really, what I really want to do is get my outcomes. Right. Mm-hmm. So I want to get like the outcome is the goal. So really, I, I, I block my t- time based on outcomes. And it's, it's split. You know, I have the Legion programming, which I look at as a separate uh, business that gets different time. Uh, and I map out all that stuff in, pre, you know, in, in my weekly review, and then um, you know I make it happen. I plug it all into my calendar, and then that's it.
0: Oh, we can get to take it. a quick break if you need to.
1: Into the other room, no. That's good. Okay,
0: cool. Um, and then what do your teams look like? What do your teams look like for the two things? What is your gym team? What is your level method team?
1: So level method, we have uh, my partner, and then we have two uh, people that work for us. Um, and then we have in my gym. I have uh, my girlfriend who is like basically manages a lot of the stuff. And then uh, we have my ma- main coach Brian, who does a lot of the you know the actual coaching. And then um, we have a another sort of bench coach and uh, Shelby, who does all of the member management stuff. So I really try to run light. We're looking at like four people on each of the teams, and a big part of my time is spent in organizing what the highest priorities are and trying to um, map those things out. So we're working in the best direction possible because it's very very easy to be distracted by things that pop up or whatever. And if if that happens you're not going to uh, move the big things forward, right? You use like boulders as an example with rocks and then pebbles and then all that stuff. The boulders are the ones that like, look, if we don't move these forward, I'm not going to accomplish shit. So I got to make sure that I have those boulders blocked out in my calendar. And when I do, I'm going to move those projects forward. We're going to have our desired outcome over time. And then all of the little grains and the sand gets filled out here and there where I can. But if you flip it, and you're you're panicking and, and reacting to the other stuff, then you're never going to get those boulders moved forward. So running light is my preference, um, mm-hmm. but as we need, you know, we will grow if we if we have to.
0: And you still coach at the gym, right? At your gym?
1: Yeah. So I coach twice a week, um, really to keep the skill set because you know if you don't if you don't interact and you don't do that, it's just going to evaporate how anything does. Um, and so I coached in the mornings on Tuesdays and in the evenings on Wednesdays.
0: Yeah, I think that's really cool. And I think it's, it's interesting that you do that because I'm sure you're a super busy guy and it would be really easy to justify that these couple hours could be spent better just focused on the level method. Do you see, I mean, it keeps you a little bit more in tune with the business. Are there other benefits for you besides that? Or is it just mainly to kind of stay in touch I, with that skill set?
1: Yeah, I think like, I am a, I am almost a recluse, like I will work and work and work on my own secretly in like a cave, if, I, if you know what I mean. And so um, I think that the coaching skill set for me, it, it really does keep me in tune with, uh, with working with people and getting my hands on them and doing all that stuff. And it does help from a, I can see the scores in the gym and I'm just being there is helpful, especially in the evenings when more people are around and they see me and stuff. But I think that, yeah, it's, it is really for the skill set I, and I just want to, I want to keep it sharp. After doing it for so many years too, I think that it would feel weird if you didn't, you know?
0: Yeah. So, you guys built an app as part of your level method system that gyms can use. And actually, each of the individual members that go to a level method gym have access to that app, correct? That's how they yeah. track their, their stuff. So what was that like as an undertaking?
1: So my my business partner Sean Buck he uh, it, that's his background is he he was um, he's a te- was a team leader for you know bringing out ma- was basically managing teams of developers for many years and he worked I don't know if you remember Grid you remember oh, yeah. yeah so he built yeah. the his team built the the scoring system so the live time track scoring wow. system with bars and all that stuff super complicated. And so he 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 managed the team that built that. Uh, So he had connections and he uh, he knows some basic coding stuff. So it was basically my the, the first iteration of the app was through a guy that went to my gym. He built it in Python, which is not an app, not a language that is good for that at all. And then we had a second iteration of the app, which was web based. And then um, now we actually have Android and uh, iOS, and that's built in a a completely different uh, framework. And it's gonna be way, way, like, it's so much better. But it's been a very interesting process to see if you've ever developed any sort of software, how many people have suggestions for you. (laughs) You know, it's like, hey, can you do this? And can you do this? And it's like, oh God the biggest thing about that is if you get pulled in all directions very very within a short period of time your your product is not going to be useful because it's going to it's going to be too many things you know and you probably see that in different in different gym softwares too
0: yeah it's like uh it becomes foreign to the person who's walking into it for the first time uh because it doesn't have those like just basic functions that they're looking for so exactly it's- Cool. So, um, what what does the future of the level method look like? Like, what are your aspirations for that that business? Um, you know, where do you see that going in the next few years or ten years? Like, do you have a long term goal?
1: Yeah, I mean, this question this is something that we talk about all the time. Like, the potential with with level method is huge from an individual. So, like, imagine a, a version that was uh, individual based. So, it's an app that it's like a a lower, not as complicated, and I could download it, I could use it at home, we could bring mm-hmm. people to gyms that have the level method, even like franchises, potentially. There's a lot of different areas, but for right now, like we're really hyper-focused on our core competencies, which right now is is working with gyms and um, making sure that we have an amazing tool that adds in as many ways as possible to the client experience and the ability for coaches to get their clients results and have fun along the way. So like it's, it's so tempting to be thinking about, you know, the, the oh the hundreds of millions of dollars you could make with all these things. Um, but the programming and, and delivering to the, the gyms and just growing, you know, that's in the next five years, I would love to be, um, up to, you know, a thousand gyms and really, really helping people Use this tool in the best ways possible, so that more people are plugged in and safer, and all of those things.
0: Cool. So you mentioned the productivity thing, and and just from the outset, it looks like you are a super productive guy, um, just from where I'm standing. So, do you have any good actionable tips? You know, besides maybe reading that book, getting things done. I've heard of it, but I haven't gone through it yet. Um, do you have anything that are really specific and tangible that? a gym owner, a coach, anybody could take in terms of getting the most productivity out of a day or a week or anything that's worked for you really well?
1: The, I mean, if we go pragmatic style, like if I just want to give you a tool that you could use, there's something called a Pomodoro, a Pomodoro technique, which is it's basically working to time. Anybody who's listening to this that probably has a background in CrossFit, obviously in timing things, there's a big psychological factor there and i've used pomodoro it's a it's a great way to overcome procrastination simply because you start a timer and you start working now that doesn't take into account if you're working on the best things Mm. right so the planning aspect is also really important but i would say starting with just getting like being not distracted is like probably the, the biggest thing with when i when i talk about productivity to someone who's just starting you got to get rid of all the distractions the social media the phones the stuff interrupting you and you got to get uninterrupted blocks of work time done and if you can just get that done you're on you're pretty good you're better than like most people and then after that after you kind of play with that you get that down you're not being distracted and pulled in every freaking possible direction and you're putting time into big valuable things then studying things like getting things done which is an incredible framework of how to manage tasks as they come into your world um, is a great thing. And then understanding uh, planning of like, you know, prioritizing doing a weekly review to see, okay, what do I want to get done this week? And then working to outcomes. So like if I want to get this X, Y, Z outcome and I have my game plan, but you know, halfway into the first day, I find a different way to get the outcome. I'm taking that way. I, all I care about is getting the outcome, right? And this is now more of like a freestyle version of productivity. But to start is that self-mastery point of just being able to sit down and get the work done, which is really tough for a lot of people. Um, and the pom- Pomodoric technique can't be beaten for that.
0: Awesome. Is there? Do you have a specific app or you just set a timer on your phone like normal that you like I, to use to that?
1: I I mean, I've used probably every Pomodoro timing app. There's some good ones out there. Right now I have a Phoenix, like my watch is a Mm. Phoenix, like heart rate watch. And there's a, there's a Pomodoro app. So I have just a timer on my watch and I click it, it buzzes. And then I go into my, and then it buzzes to remind me to take off. So I use that a lot on my watch, but um, a a kitchen timer is the classic way. And it's like, if you're putting something off, like I, I guarantee you if you're putting something off and you're like, oh, I really need to do that. Or like, oh, I got to I gotta send that email or oh, that, that feeling, that sensation. Take a breath, take a reset, start a freaking timer and then just start working. And before you know it, you'll be done with it. and You'll have 15 minutes left on the timer. You'll be like, that should only took me 10 minutes. And <laughs> if you've been like putting it off for all this time, but it was a yeah. 10 minute job, you know, so it, that it can really help if that's. That's I mean overwhelm is such a big thing that I see with gym owners. Um, and I mean entrepreneurs in general, it's just like there's so much shit to do and there's so many things and like what am I supposed to do? And really the only thing you can do, start a timer and start working. you know nice. it, it, It's the, the, the procrastination that adds to all the anxiety and it's like, fuck, just
0: do the work. Yeah. Do you, do you have a specific interval that you'll work for right now? Uh, so cl-
1: classically I've played with different intervals but classically 25 minutes and is a is a pomodoro with a 5 minute break. You do that for four sets so it's 2 hours and then you take a 30 minute break. And I I work on that iteration quite frequently. So when I have like a long day, um like Thursdays and Fridays are generally my deep work days. If I uh, and deep work is a book by Cal Newport, but I call it yeah. deep work just because it's a, you know, it's a great way to think about it. But I'll go through that 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 cycle where I'll go Four, four Pomodoros, 30-minute break, four Pomodoros, lunch, four Pomodoros. So I'm doing 12 in a day. And I mean, it's like the most possible work. When I first found this shit, I could not believe it. I'm like, dude, I'm getting so much so much work done because it's like, well, it makes sense. You're not being distracted and you're just doing the work, you know? And it's like, it's such a not sexy thing to do, like, to do the work. But at the same time, it's the most effective possible way to do it. I've also played with 33 minutes. Um, and if you do three, thir- 33 minutes, it comes out to four, 25 minutes. Like if you're doing, yeah. um, you, you're mapping them out, but it, I just, over time it's, uh, it's weirder on my calendar. So when I block things out on my calendar, doing 33 minute intervals, it, I, I did it for a few weeks and then it kind of fell off. I 25 and fives are what I do.
0: Yeah. Cause then it matches up as a 30 minute slot exactly. in your calendar. So yeah. I got a question about the five minute breaks because I feel like the tendency for a lot of people, especially if they're, let's say they're, they have a 90 minute activity. It is something that requires that much work and they get 25 minutes in and they're rolling. I mean, like it's, shit's happening, right? How do you use those five minute breaks or do you, are there times where you bypass the five minute break?
1: The five minute breaks are absolutely crucial. The only time I'll break, uh, I won't break is if I have, um, only one work session. So if I'm like busy for the whole day mm. and I only have a two-hour work session, I'll, I'll blaze right through it. But if I'm planning for a long stretch and I have multiple blocks, so I'm doing a four block and then I'm going to rest and then do a four block and I want to put in like four or five or six hours, you got to take the breaks because otherwise you'll burn out. Like so, And in the breaks, all the entire goal of the breaks is to unclamp your mind off on the problem that you're working on. Distract yourself like totally walk around, do some stuff, think about something else, but you gotta, you gotta separate from it because then it's like, a, it's like rest. So you're, you're clamping on an idea for a long period of time and then when you rest, this is where like, okay, you get something, and you come back and you're way more creative. If you're plugged back in, you get way more creative because you have that little bit of rest and if you don't take it, you're gonna burn and burn and burn and I did that for years. I'd be obsessed and just burn it all day and then I'd be like just toasted And with with that five minute break, I can sustain it and I feel totally fine. I feel good. The only the only stress is like if there's even more to do, you know, sometimes because there's like only a limited amount. But once you start thinking in terms of of blocks, you know, you can work on big projects and you don't have to feel like you have to finish the project. You can put a Pomodoro block, boom, 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 once a day, 30 minutes, and you can see how making it to your goal to finish a project as possible. You don't have to obsess over finishing it in this session and getting it done.
0: Oh, yeah. And I love the idea for like a gym owner that is super busy. They might only have an hour block between something and it's easy to just run that time out on social media, on email. Oh, and,
1: Without even realizing.
0: Yeah. Uh, actually, one of the things I had to do, you mentioned Deep Work. He has a great YouTube video, Cal Newport, about just social media. and. Uh, he and others were were one of the people that inspired me to I have two separate phones I took an old iPhone that nice, I had that I wasn't using and my Instagram and Facebook are on there and I leave that at the gym and then That's I a lot of times will log out of Instagram and Facebook on my other phone I don't even have the app the Instagram app so that makes it really hard to get into there so that way, when I'm like, just clicking through my phone, it's really hard for me to get onto Facebook or Instagram just in the normal part of my day. I have to go to the separate phone to do it.
1: Dude, this is like, you. this is what you have to do.
0: Yeah, you, uh, I have to follow people too. Instagram, I have like seven people that I'm following just because dude, like, I still percent. can get caught in it.
1: Yeah, it's like, I have a script that runs on my computer that, so self-control is a, an app that you can get on your, I have a Mac, and it's a script that auto-runs for a period of time that blocks me from Facebook. So I can't even go on Facebook, even if I, I can, I can use a different browser that I have, but it's a hassle. Right. And you do this on purpose because dude, your best intentions, you can have the best intentions. And the way social media is set up is it's designed to just pull on all your strings. And before you know it, it's been 35 minutes and you're like, what the hell? <laughs> like I was supposed to do all this other stuff, you know?
0: Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, we'll end on that. Uh, I think we took exactly two Pomodoro blocks, so we'll we'll end there um, and not keep it going for too much longer. But I really appreciate the time, Nathan. It was a pleasure talking to you. And uh, where, where can people find you? Where can people find the Level Method and learn more about it?
1: So levelmethod.com is uh, where we do everything. There's a slash discovery, I think, is to do a discovery call, but there's just a, a button on there. And then me personally, you can email me at nathan at levelmethod.com. Um, I have an Instagram that I never go on to. <laughs> it used to be dedicated to my, my athletic stuff. And then it's just been kind of, you know, in and out. But that's, I think Nathan Holiday is the, the name of that. But uh, email is probably the best way. I, I, I screen all my emails. So if you want to get in touch, just drop me a line.
0: All right. Well, thanks for being on the show.
1: Thanks, man. I appreciate it. <laughs>
0: Hey guys, it's Andrew again. I just want to remind you that if you haven't yet downloaded our staff playbook that we released last week, if you're in the process of creating your own staff playbook or you haven't even considered it yet, um, or you just need to update your existing one, I would highly recommend downloading our staff playbook that we just released for free last week. It's an 80 plus page blueprint of how we run CrossFit Palm Beach from A to Z. So go ahead to sevenfigurebox.com slash staff playbook to download your copy today.